Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. In just a few weeks, the Jewish community will gather together in homes and some in synagogues to observe and celebrate the Jewish holiday known in Hebrew as Pesach or Passover in English. According to the 2013 Pew Report of uh, North American Jews, uh, Passover is the most observed and celebrated holiday in the North American Jewish community. That suggests, their findings suggest that more Jews uh, acknowledge um, Passover as part of their Jewish identity and more Jews observe what we will be speaking about later in our show, um, the Seder, the ritual meal on the eve of Passover. And as many of you know, Jewish holidays begin in the evening and run to the next evening. Passover is observed on the evening of the 14th of, uh, of the 15th of uh, Nisan, the Hebrew month of Nisan. And um, in um, Israel, the first evening is considered a holiday and the first day. And outside of the land of Israel, the first evening and the second evening are considered holidays. The Jewish holiday of Passover commemorates the exodus from Egypt. The roots of the festival are found in Exodus chapter 12 in which God instructs the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb at twilight on the 14th day of the Jewish month of Nisan before the sun sets. We find that in Exodus uh, 12.18. That night, the Israelites are to eat the lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The lamb's bread should be swabbed on their doorposts as a sign. According to the biblical text, God seeing the sign will then pass over, Pasach, the houses of the Israelites. Again, referring to Exodus 12, this time verse 13, while smiting the Egyptians with the 10th plague, the killing of the firstborn sons. Exodus 12 commands the Israelites to repeat this practice every year performing the sacrifice during the day, and then consuming it after the sun has set. As I already mentioned, according to Jewish tradition, the new day begins with the setting of the sun. So the sacrifice is made on the 14th of Nisan, but the beginning of the Passover and the meal are actually on the 15th. Although this sequence of dates is not um, specified in Exodus. Exodus 12.15 further speaks of a seven-day festival, which is that which is observed in modern-day Israel, and an eight-day festival not mentioned in the Torah observed outside Israel, which begins when the sacrifice is consumed. According to the Torah, once the Israelites were settled in Israel and once a temple was built in Jerusalem, The original sacrifice described in Exodus 12 changed dramatically. 
Passover became one of the Jewish pilgrimage festivals, and Israelites were expected to travel to Jerusalem to sacrifice the Passover lamb at the temple during the afternoon of the 14th day, and then consume the Passover sacrifice once the sun had set and the festival had formally begun on the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. This kind of celebration is described as having taken place during the reigns of King Hezekiah and Josiah. As time passed, the practice continued to evolve. Eventually, a number of customs recorded in rabbinic literature began to accumulate around the meal, which became so highly ritualized that it was called the Seder, the Hebrew word for the word order. Unleavened bread was broken, wine was served, diners reclined, and hymns were sung. Furthermore, during the meal, the Exodus story was retold, and the significance of the unleavened bread, bitter herbs, and wine was explained. The bread and wine, the hymn and reclining diners, many of these characteristic elements are shared by the Last Supper, as Jeremiah pointed out. This morning, I want to um, have a conversation with Yvonne Mathieu, who is the dean at Ottawa's St. Paul University. He is the dean of the Faculty of Theology. And together we want to discuss Passover and the Last Supper as it appears in the various gospel accounts. Good morning, Father Ivan. How are you? Good morning, Rabbi. Shalom to you and to all your auditors. I'm very well. Good. Um, I want to thank you for joining me on the show this morning. Oh, Um, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I've already introduced our listeners to some of the history of the Passover Seder, Uh and I think it's fair to say that uh, many assume that Jesus' Last Supper was a Seder. Yes. Um, And I thought that this morning we could chat a bit about that and how Catholicism and Christianity understood the Last Supper and how that might be uh, or not be connected to what they know of their Jewish neighbors Mm -hmm. um, and the Passover Seder that will be held in just um, 11 days or so. Yeah, it's it's April tenth. If I know, if I correct, know, I'm correct, correct. This, good. This year. So yeah. perhaps you could begin by um, sharing with us um, how you understand um, the Gospels' uh, presentation of um, the Last Supper. Okay. Well, we have two uh, two traditions that are uh, pre- present in the uh, canonical gospels. Those who are recognized by all the Christian churches. Uh, uh, so that in uh, the synoptic tradition, which is uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, definitely the last meal of Jesus, uh, the one in which he instituted the Eucharist, uh, is seen as a Passover meal. They don't use the expression seder, though. Right. But uh, for instance, if I read in chapter 22 of Luke, now the festival of unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was near. 
And then you have that on verse 7, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go prepare the Passover meal for us. And this is the, the tradition in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in John, it's a bit different, because the Passover, we read in chapter 13, now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come, and having loved his disciples, he loved them, and during supper, so the supper is presented as a supper that is taking place before Passover. As a matter of fact, if we continue to read the Gospel of John, we see that the uh, the uh, appearance of Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin and of Pilate happens during the day of preparation, therefore the day before Passover. So that we have two different traditions. In the uh, the three first Gospels, Jesus, is, the last meal of Jesus is certainly presented as a Passover meal, whereas in John, it's a last meal, but there, there, it's not presented as a Passover meal. But the context in both cases is Passover. Right. So I guess there are two issues. One relates to the Synoptic Gospels mm-hmm. and why they... Um, have chosen to reflect the last meal as a Passover uh, meal, and the second relates to John and why he chooses um, to um, not identify the last meal, particularly as a Passover meal. Um, Do you have a thought about why the two gospel accounts differ? Yeah, well, there are, these are very hypothetical reasons, but they are, it's been discussed for at least 2,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the notion of what is the Seder. Uh, well, uh, really, so much about the, the Passover meal more than the Seder, because if I'm not mistaken, the Seder as we know it today was has its roots in the Old Testament, I know, but the, the ritual with the Agadah and everything is, uh, is more, is, it comes after Jesus. Am I mistaken? No, 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 you're absolutely correct, and that's important for the listeners who may participate in some sort of... Um, uh, ritual known as the Seder at their churches. Um, the Seder, as Jews today celebrate it, would have um, begun to be formalized after the destruction of the Temple in 70 of the Common Era. Yes. And uh, most historians, church historians as well as secular historians, um, place Jesus's life and death closer to um, 30, 30 or yeah, 33. Well, uh, I would say, historically speaking, 30 is more probable. Probable, but, uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, so the, I think that to, to answer your question, I think the, the, the reason, uh, in my view, uh, the, the three synoptics are closer for that particular question. Mm-hmm. The, the, the three synoptics must be closer to the historical reality. Okay, but at the same time, I cannot prove that. But since they all um, they all refer to the preparation of a Passover meal, uh, I think that there's a good chance that the last meal of Jesus was a Passover meal, without saying that it was a seder as a pers- as we celebrate it today. Right, and in the Gospels, that meal would have um, had some resonance to the uh, biblical account 
of uh, Exodus 12, yes? It would have had some sort of unleavened uh, bread, uh, The unleavened bread is certainly mentioned every time we refer to the feast. It's the feast or the festival of unleavened bread. This is all Gospels refer to that. Right, and it would have had some um, wine. Um, yeah, oh, certainly, because Jesus took both bread and wine. Good. Mm. And with regard to the Paschal sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, there would have been, even at that early evening, some sort of, um, unle- some sort of roasted lamb. Well, that's not in the gospel, but uh-huh. I, 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 we, we, we don't speak. Though the reference to the lamb is very interesting. If you don't mind, I'll come that to, uh, back to that a bit Good. later on. But basically, we have a hint that is also in Luke chapter 22. It's very interesting because in Luke 22, when Jesus comes to the, the, the room, we are told that he, he drinks a first cup of wine. Okay. Right. So if I, I can read that to, for you, chapter 22, verse 14 and following. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have greatly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So he says here, Passover, the word. The, 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 right. The, okay. For I tell you, I will not eat until this, uh, it is fulfilled in the, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup. And after giving tens, he said, take this and divide it among yourself, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And this is a first cup of wine that comes before the bread and wine of the Eucharist. Now, Luke, it's interesting, is the only one mentioning that first cup of wine. Did he have information that the others did not have? Were there uh, four cups of wine as we have in the Seder? Am I right in saying that today? Well, that, that's a good historical question. Um, okay. The four cups of wine appear to be one of the earliest traditions um, added to the Passover celebration. Uh-huh. The um, uh, earliest Jewish uh, legal text, the Mishnah, and mm-hmm. the Tosefta, uh, a parallel text to the Mishnah, which we think represent um, the middle of the first century to the end of the uh, second century, or the beginning of the third century, they, um, their primary uh, discussion seems to be about the four cups. Mm-hmm. So, so it's interesting that Luke uh, already is the only knows one. about that. He mentions two cups, right? And so there's a good chance that uh, that we can extrapolate from that the fact Correct. that he prob- there are probably at least there was more than one cup. That's and right. There's probably more than one cup, and um, I'm not. Um, an expert on the dating of Luke, but he would be eighty-five. Eighty-five. So yeah. he that would be post-temple. Yes, um, definitely. And so there would have already begun the um, origins of the Pharisaic and then rabbinic tradition mm-hmm. of responding to the loss of the temple as a locus of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the need to find some sort of continuity with yes. the biblical text. 
Um, so what's interesting is that, that at least uh, I agree with you. I'm not an historian of the right. to say there, but uh, I think that the fact that there, there might have been, there certainly were more than one cups. Right. And, and one cup and the two cups are mentioned by Luke. And most of the the, the there I've seen, at least in Christian tradition, would mention that the, uh, am I mistaken in saying that the third cup is different from the others, not only because it's the cup for redemption, but it's one cup that is shared among other people. Correct, yes. The, so, and that, because of that, most Christians who prepare a Seder meal would say that it's most probably, they usually say most probably, right. on, on the occasion of the third cup that Jesus said, take this as my, my blood. Yeah, that's well, that, that's one of the interesting dynamics of the Seder, yes, that um, tradition, Christian tradition, uh, not only within your tradition, but other Christian traditions, um, has taken the symbols of the Passover, mm -hmm. the sacrifice, and the wine, mm -hmm. and um, even the unleavened bread, and um, massaged them into essential symbols of Christianity. Yeah, well, this is very early in Christianity, too, because even Paul is referring to the, 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 the Eucharist like this uh, right. in and one of his letters, and uh, Paul wrote much before the Gospels. Right. I think that's and important to remind our listeners, though I think many of them are aware of that, that Paul is earlier than the Gospels. Yes, well, some, some, for many people it's a surprise, but if right. you go in the, uh, in the first uh, letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23 and uh, following, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And, uh, but there's not a, a real a reference in uh, Paul about the uh, Passover context. But right. he, so the, the fact that Jesus during his last meal instituted the Eucharist is not only found in the Gospel, but also in a, a genuine Pauline letter, 1 Corinthians. So it's much earlier than 70. But there's no reference to the say there. But there's a reference to this notion of um, bread in 1 Corinthians and, and, and yes. wine. Yes, exactly. Right? So we're not sure if um, Paul is um, referring to um, a personal knowledge or a story that he had heard of the Last Supper, or... Well, he certainly heard about it because he was not there. Right. And, there, uh, and he specifies that this was this act of taking bread and wine and uh, making it, instituting the Eucharist was done by Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Right. So, therefore, it's really the last meal of Jesus. So, I want to re return to something that you suggested earlier, and yes. that was the um, difference between the Synoptic Gospels and John with regard yeah. to the date. Yes. Um, if I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that in the Synoptics, um, the end of uh, the 14th of Nisan... Yeah. Um, is identified as the time that Jesus and his disciples prepare for Passover. Yes. Um, and that... Well, the, the word 14 of Nisan is not there. But right, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that um, in John, Jesus and his disciples hold a Last Supper, and then Jesus is arrested that night. 
Yes. Correct? So there's a somewhat of a timing difference. Yeah, and it's difficult to explain. Where there may be a, my uh, hypothesis on that, and it's not my, only my hypothesis, I've been reading a lot on these issues. There, first of all, there's, I think there's a theological motiv- motiv- motivations behind John's presentation. Uh-huh. Because in the, when he, John has a much longer account of the last meal. It starts in chapter 13.1, and ends at the end of chapter 18. So basically, it's a six-chapter meal, which is very long. <laughs> but And there's the washing of the feet there, but there's no mention of the Eucharist in that meal in John. And, and so is John more interested in the arrest and trial than in the... No, I, in the meal, he's really, uh, it's really a farewell discourse and a prayer by Jesus. But uh-huh. he, I, he already put everything he had to say about the Eucharist in John chapter 6, where it's the, the multiplication of loaves and the long speech on the bread of life. Mm-hmm. So I think his, most of his teaching was there. What is interesting, though, is that there's a French theologian or a French exegete, a woman, uh, a few years ago that proposed that maybe Jesus was following the Qumran calendar, which was different than the uh, the official calendar, and where Passover would have been a bit earlier. So so let's um, just remind our listeners that um, Qumran was an early first century uh, community found in the uh, Negev Desert in an area called Qumran. Today it's most known for uh, as the locus for the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Qumran community um, seems to have fled from what they believed was the corruption of the um, temple priesthood. Yes. Um, and were, again, at odds with the early uh, Pharisees and rabbinic tradition. Mm-hmm. And one of their issues was the calendar, among many exactly. others. And so they yeah. did offer um, a very different calendar. Um, there were many other differences, but for our purposes, you're correct in saying that this um, uh, community down in um, the southern part of the land of Israel in the desert um, argued about w- how the calendar was constructed and how dating was identified. And again, you're correct in saying that they would have seen Passover as earlier than those who celebrated it in Jerusalem. Yes. So that's an interesting hypothesis, but it remains an hypothesis. Right. What is, I think what is more interesting than that is the fact that uh, when John is depicting the, uh, the, the trial of Jesus and when he is condemned, he is certainly making a lot of mention about Passover. And if you don't mind, I would like to read the three passages. No, please do. Okay, in 1828, chapter 18, verse 28, they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So that was, therefore, it was, he was arrested in, on trial before. Right. Then in 1914, we he, read, Now it was the day of the preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He, uh, so, and then uh, Pilate says to the Jews, here is your king. I'll come back to the, the time of noon in a few minutes. 1931, then, since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want bodies left on the cross during the Shabbat. 
So that's why they, they break the legs of the two other crucified person and they pierce Jesus' side. What is interesting is that mentioned in 1914, um, it was about noon. Now, there are two interpretations about that. It's, it's interesting that John is the only one saying that, but, he's, he, but he doesn't explain why. Well, there are two possible explanations that were uh, invoked, I would say, by a specialist. And I would like to, you to correct me if I'm wrong about this one, please. Because in the Jerusalem Bible in French, I read that noontime on the day of preparation would be the, the moment in which people try to start chasing for the unleavened bread, or <laughs> the taking right. leavened bread outside of their house at noon on the, uh, on the, on the, on day, the day before, before the evening of Passover, correct. That, that could be a hint towards that. Right. But most importantly, it seems that uh, in the first century, in first century Judaism, in Jerusalem, this was the time in which they slain the lambs for the Passover meal. Right. At noon, they started slaying the lambs at noontime uh, in the temple. Right. So, so I, I think, think that theologically speaking, I think John, even if he didn't use the, I'd say the uh, Passover symbolism for the meal, he kind of transferred it to the meat to explain or the, to give a theological meaning to the death and the condemnation of Christ, of Jesus. And uh, it's interesting because it's also in that gospel that in the beginning of John, we have John the Baptist saying at least twice, this is the Lamb of God, designed Jesus. So um, I think that... Uh, the What's also interesting is that um, John would seem to have an understanding that the trial and the arrest would have to take place before the Passover began. Exactly. That it, historically, it would have been um, somewhat of an anomaly for the arrest and trial to take place after the uh, evening meal had begun. Um, okay. The Gospels um, certainly have the Pharisaic representatives attending to the court Mm -hmm. um, and it would have been unusual even in temple times for any representative of the Jewish community on what would have been, uh, according to the Torah, a sacred occasion to gather outside of their homes for such a civil matter. Mm. Uh, my my. Producer tells us we have just a few moments left. So we'll have to decide it later on when we're in heaven somewhere today. Well, when, probably. When exactly how it happened. That's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, probably it is one of those things that will be decided in heaven. Yeah. Though I want to tell you how thankful I am that you've uh, shared with me and with our listeners um, some you. of the uh, anomalistic um, patterns of the uh, synoptics and John. And earlier in our conversation, we noted that the Seder, as um, it is known today, would not have existed in the time of Jesus. Well, oh, maybe there, there was an ancestor of the Seder. <laughs> that's right. That's the best way to put it, that there is an ancestor of the Seder that had um, sprung up even as early as the uh, beginning of the first century. Um, 
I want to thank you. Uh, You're welcome, Rabbi. For sharing with our listeners this morning. And I know that Easter will come shortly after Passover, so I want to wish you a uh, happy Easter. And should I say a happy Passover to you? Thank you. And at some point, we'll talk about Easter and its connection to Passover. That's very good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you all a uh, good day. Shalom. Shalom.